Welcome to Shared Instance, a podcast on iOS development by three iOS developers in Cincinnati, Ohio. I'm Sam Corder. I'm Alex Argo. And I'm Alex Robinson. This is episode 54. So guys, a little something happened today. Emphasis on the little. Are you talking about the size of the new iPhone SE? Or the amount of news? (laughs) The impact of the keynote? Okay. I don't know. I was... I was you genuinely underwhelmed, and I actually felt kind of disappointed and, and mad because this was really the stuff they should have launched in November alongside the other stuff. But instead, they were, I think, playing with people's pocketbooks and trying to make sure that they got big sales for their big iPad Pro and their new iPhone 6s and all this other stuff at, and then just kind of threw these little guys out later at, because they needed to have something for spring. So do you think it do you think it was manipulating the market, a supply chain issue, or do they just not realize people didn't all want to go big? You know, some people still like the 4-inch and, the, and they saw that reflected in sales and responded. Well, I'll be curious to see how it actually plays out in sales. I'm not sure as many people actually want small phones still. A lot of the people who said, oh, I'm never going to get a bigger phone, got an iPhone 6 or a 6S. And they're like, yeah. wow, this is kind of nice. <laughs> I kind of like this. <laughs> well, and yeah. You know, there's still, you know, if you're a hipster wearing skinny jeans, the the bigger phone doesn't work so well. Oh, then you got to get the rose gold uh, SE. (laughs) Well, you just put the phone in your back pocket and try not to sit down. Yeah, Yeah. that's true. Maybe you still carry a flip phone. I don't know. (laughs) Man, hating on the hipsters. Yeah. I didn't say it was bad. I'm just saying. (laughs) It's hard to put an iPhone 6 or 6 Plus in your pocket in skinny jeans. I don't wear I don't wear skinny jeans too often, so I wouldn't know. It's uh it's interesting when your choice in cell phones can change your how you buy clothes. Yeah. <laughs> so getting back to your question, I kinda do feel like it is a manipulation of the market. Solely because they had a lot of stuff come out that was new. In the fall, but none of it has really had a big impact, right? If you look at what percentage of Apple's revenues are made up by the phone, it's a fairly large number, and they they don't have anything that's repeating that. And I feel like maybe they're starting to feel some pressure from shareholders to come up with something. Right. So, you know, the, the tvOS or Apple TV, the Apple Watch, you know, those might be in the tens of millions of devices where the phones and iPads are in hundreds of millions. Yeah, I think the phone is around 60% of their revenue. 
Well, one thing, one thing that I thought was interesting about this iPhone SE is if you compare it to the 5C, remember before that came out, everyone was like, this is going to be the low-cost iPhone. It's going to be big for India and China or whatever. And then they came out with it. I'm looking it up now. It looks like uh, it started like $550 or $600 or something like that still. So like not actually a a deal, but this one starts at $399. And with contracts or whatever, it's, it's free. But I, w I wonder if it's actually more of a... Like, hey, this is not a super expensive phone that, you know, costs seven, eight hundred bucks or even five hundred and fifty dollars. I wonder if it is like a not as much for the United States as it is for India and China. Not that I'm an expert in any of that stuff, but it's it seems like it's maybe they had to wait until they could get the cost down to two hundred dollars less than than whatever the 6S launched at? I don't know. I was surprised at how good of a phone it actually is. You know, it yeah, comes they did. with the A9, and a fair, I don't think they, they don't ever talk about RAM, but I imagine it's, it's probably just one gig. But that seems, that would be the same as a 6 would have. Yeah, it's got the better camera. It's got NFC. I mean, the only thing it doesn't—it doesn't have um, 3D touch, or at least they didn't call that out. Right, it's a standard display, and uh, it looks like it only has the first-gen um, Touch ID sensor, uh, so it's not going to be as fast. But still, you know, basically, it's. Like the five S is now. It's a, it's a lot it like, the same as the six, right? Uh, the five S has Touch ID, right? It does. The five S does too, but I think the six. It seems like every year it got better, but like on their comparison page, it calls out six S and six S Plus as having improved Touch ID, and then the SE six and six Plus all just say like normal Touch ID. So it seems like it's equivalent to. Maybe we call that second generation. I don't know, instead of the third generation. But the big jump was with the one on the 6S, I feel like. Yeah, Everyone was yeah. like, I'm, I'm touching it and I don't have time to, like, to read my like, notifications. See what's on my lock screen. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> I will say I'm disappointed that they stuck with the chamfered edge. The, the mock ups I saw with the rounded edge, like the iPhone 6 looked a lot better, in my opinion. I never liked the chamfered edge. Probably because within like five days of buying an iPhone 5, it was all scratched up. Well, it looks like even though it's still the chamfered edge, it's not like the the same like glossiness that scratches off. It seems like it's just cut the same way. So hopefully that means that this stuff won't all come off too. Yeah, I had a 5S and it held up pretty well. So it was def they definitely made an improvement over that over the 5. So I'm I'm not worried about that. And really Well, you're not going to have one, so why would you be worried, Sam? Yeah, well. <laughs> and the, and then the price point on this 399, that is the unlocked price, is that correct? Yeah. Mhm. Mm 
That's not too bad. No, it's... Yeah, it's a lot cheaper than all the other ones that they've ever, so... ever done. It's like the lowest launch price ever. It's something you could conceivably buy for your teenager. Oh, don't tell that to my wife. My six-year-old wants a phone. <laughs> <laughs> he's got a few more years before he's a teenager. That's what I'm saying. We'll see how that goes. <laughs> but daddy's got so many phones. Why can't I have one? <laughs> yeah. But really, solid phone, I think. I just wish it came out in November. Along with the iPad Pro. And I think they else. had to wait to get the price down for, for the SE, at least. The iPad Pro, you could probably argue that they held it off intentionally but i don't know it doesn't bug me as much as it bugs you <laughs> well i guess i would have rather waited for the ipad pro than the apple tv i'm glad we got that first yeah, if there's yeah. a if there's a pipeline that that was full of devices and things that and we had to wait for one or the other then i'm glad we got the apple tv first at least yeah, so speaking of the iPad Pro, we now have the smaller iPad Pro. The new iPad Pro, they they called it new again. I don't know if they're going to go with that on their marketing pages or not, but everyone loves the new the new moniker. Wasn't it? I think they're just the going to use 7? the uh, I think they're just going to use the sizes, 9.7 and and uh 12.9. But when they introduced it, they called it, here's our new iPad Pro. That's just, that's how they, that's what they called it. And that's what they did with, uh, was that the third, third gen iPad, which was horrible. And I had, oh yeah, that I remember was... them calling it, this is the new iPad. Mm-hmm. That was kind of a rough model. Yeah. <laughs> well, and it got replaced like seven months later or something like that with the fourth gen, which was much better equipped to handle the retina display. But that's besides the point. Yeah. Looks like they just call it the iPad Pro. And they say now in two sizes. And yeah. They have the 9.7 and then the 12.9. They sure love that rose gold. Yeah. I don't know if that's a more of a like a Chinese market um, color scheme or if there's a big US market after that rose gold usually the gold is more they say it's more focused at the Asian market but the rose gold especially on the iPhone isn't really like a goldy color it's a pink color yeah it's yeah. very it's very pink well maybe it is you know, maybe they're trying to appeal, make it less, you know, black and white and more, you know, appeal to to women a little bit more. Yeah, I was going to say, it might be a Chinese thing, but my wife got her uh, rose gold success, uh, so she liked the, the rose gold. John Oliver doesn't like it, though, if you saw his, his little piece on the uh, iPhone encryption stuff. <laughs> What did he liken it to, like, the color of vomit or something? Oh, like <laughs> some kind of vomited salmon or something? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's not my favorite color, but 
I guess I can see how I can see how it appeals to some people. Just, just not me. Other than the size, there really isn't much different between this iPad Pro and the 12.9 inch iPad Pro. Well, I noticed that uh, this one has that new fancy screen that will adjust the color temperature according right. to the light around it, which actually is the coolest feature that I heard about. Uh, I, I don't want to buy a new iPad just for it, but like if the phones get that and the rest of the lineup gets that, I think that's kind of a a cool feature. Yeah, and I kind of suspect that we'll get like uh, tickets logged about colors not matching design specs. <laughs> yeah. Um, because that was my first was reaction, but now I, I've come around. I think it's a cool, cool idea. But yeah, yeah, I could I could see yeah. that be a problem with designers. <laughs> you have yeah. to tell them to use a different color light in their room. <laughs> <laughs> Go yeah. outside. Or you you have to start. You've got uh, new test scripts that <laughs> require you to to view it in different lighting. Wonder if that'll break a bunch of like automation, like uh, UI testing scripts that are like doing screenshot comparisons or something. Yeah, yeah. That, that <laughs> could oh, that be interesting. Be weird. <laughs> but having said that, or having seen that, yeah, at first I thought, oh, this whole night shift thing was really just a ripoff on, on, uh, that, uh, what was it called? Flux. Yeah. Flux, yeah. Flux. It was just a ripoff on Flux because he got pissed off at him or something. But really, I could see how the night shift is just an offshoot of that whole true tone color thing that they were doing. Because if you can just well, adjust I, the screen, the, the I think it was definitely a, a ripoff for sure. <laughs> yeah. But, but they may have been working on similar things in the, at the same time. I mean, the, the Mac flux app has been out for a long time. Right. So it's not like, it's not a new concept. Uh, but I mean, we're we're getting down to the nitty gritty in terms of like big things that can, you know, change your experience using some of these devices just because they're so good already. It's like now we're adjusting the color temperature to make your eyes, in theory, feel better at the end of the night or depending on what room you use it in. Yeah, just a quick poll. Do either of you guys use Flux? No. On my Mac? No. I use it, but I tend to find myself delaying it for another hour every time it starts to come on. So because it's too harsh, or no, it's just because you're like, no, I'm staying up later. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I guess I need to have a better uh, sleep schedule, <laughs> especially when I'm editing maybe you just need a snooze button. Yeah, maybe you just need a snooze button. Oh, it has one. It'll... Oh, does it? <laughs> yeah, but it comes back on every hour. Have you been using it on your phone though? Because I feel like on the phone, it's not too aggressive. Like it's never like, oh man, this looks so horrible. I can't use it like this. It seems like it's done a good job of kind of matching up with the time of day. Yeah, I use it a little bit more on my. I use it on both my phone and tablet, but I'll notice it on my tablet. Where I'll, if I'm watching Netflix around ten o'clock, it's like start to notice that everything looks a little orangish or yellowish. And I'm wondering, is that a stylistic choice on their part of the show, or am I just 
Or is this night shift coming on? Yeah, it definitely messes up Breaking Bad if you try to watch that one, because that's one of those shows that has that color palette. <laughs> oh, yeah. It's a good show, too. If you haven't watched it, check it out. <laughs> right after you're done listening to this. Yeah. One of the other differences with the new iPad uh, compared to the Pro, though, I think is the... Phil was talking about all the cool things in the uh, the new iPad USB 3 camera connection kit thing that came out, maybe with the iPad Pro, but the, the new 9.7-inch iPad uh, only will do USB 2 speeds. It won't do the USB 3 speeds, which I thought was kind of interesting. It doesn't have the new fancy lightning connector hmm. that the big iPad Pro has. But it's powered, right? So it can power a USB microphone, for instance? I think that's what they said. Yeah. Uh, oh, did either of you catch if it had the keyboard connection thing? It does. I believe it does, yeah. Yeah, okay. it does. You could see... Well, they talked about it, and you could see the... Oh. So, yeah, the new accessories uh, came out, and... You definitely have to pay, you know, over 120 bucks to get the front and the back covered now on the regular sized iPad, which was kind of annoying. I think on the on the iPad Pro, the big one, mm-hmm. <laughs> the 12 point whatever. Yeah, the, see, we can't even talk about the iPads Pro, <laughs> now, iPad Pros now because. Uh, oh well, what are you gonna do? And there's that camera bulge. There's a camera bulge on the back too, so you need to get the back covered. Yes. Right. Why did they do that? <laughs> I think that's on the iPhone SE as well. I think there's the camera bulge there too. Oh yeah, because you need to be able to edit two 4K streams of video on your five-inch iPhone. Come on, guys. <laughs> it is. I mean, that's one of the most annoying things about having a iPhone 6 without a case is that little camera bump. Yeah, I don't know if it's to some degree to drive sales of the cases or not. <laughs> I mean, I'm, I'm sure it needs the, Definitely the space to some degree, but like I was just thinking the other day, I'd, I probably wouldn't have a case on my phone if it wasn't for the, the camera uh, sticking out. I don't know. Do you remember how slippery this thing was without the case? Oh, it's awful. Yeah, but... <laughs> but now that you know, after a while, they they get less slippery. Those camphered edges on the the five really made it work. That thing didn't slip out of your hands ever. Yeah, yeah, true. So let's see. Uh, Keeping on the track of hardware, yeah, I don't see a bump that, on the the five or the SE. It looks really flush. Really, yeah. I I thought in the video in the in the keynote that it had a bump, but it may have just been an illusion. I remember the six product marketing images on the website did not have the bump either. So maybe it's just <laughs> a website thing. Just the angle in which they show them. Yeah. Hmm. No, yeah, I don't see it on the website, at least. Interesting. And they definitely have a bump on the pictures for the six. Yeah, I don't, I don't see a bump in the marketing photos but I thought I saw one in the video during the keynote hmm. but 
Yeah. It is a thicker phone, so maybe they didn't need to have the bump. I would expect they wouldn't. Uh, it makes me a little bit nostalgic for my old 5S. It was kind of a weird form factor at first, being real long, tall. Got one on my desk, and when I use it for testing, it does not make me feel nostalgic. <laughs> Especially coming from my 6S Plus. Well, yeah. <laughs> That's true. Uh, I don't know, I feel like the, I guess the 6 is a pretty good size, but it's just on the verge of being a little bit big. Like if you're trying to do the one-handed uh, back button with your thumb, it's it a little difficult. Whereas the 5 didn't have that problem. I suppose you can do it with your with your uh, plus, but you need some basketball player size hands for that. <laughs> yeah, true. So, is there any other hardware related stuff that you guys wanted to talk about, or uh, iPhone killing robots? Uh, well, Liam is the bomb. What are you talking about? <laughs> <laughs> All those iPhones that you're buying now, especially the new SE. There's Liam, designed to kill it. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and they gave him such a nice British name so he wouldn't sound like such a killer. And they were showing so, us the new uh, the new Apple campus that's like basically all Windows, and we figure they're going to need a lot of Liams to like go and watch <laughs> all those, because it's wall-to-wall yeah. intense. Yeah. Well, they're, they're Windows with built-in solar panels. Or something. <laughs> so if if someone didn't see the the event, what is Liam? It's kind of like Wally. <laughs> it's gonna take apart your iPhone and recycle it. Yeah, he takes all the parts, or all the piece, the iPhones apart, like pries, like the screws out, and all this other stuff, and even se- separates them into the the proper bin so they can be. Cycled because Apple is awesome for the environment and all that stuff. Right? <laughs> right. Yeah, so that was a big part of the opening of the event was kind of Apple as a good citizen you know, in terms of renewable energy, um, where they're using solar panels with their data centers in several countries and um, and how they're scoring on their recycling and um, responsible sourcing of uh, paper. They said something like, "What? What did they say? Something like a? It was some huge number of ac- acreage uh, for trees that they have. I think in China. I don't, I don't know, know if it was you guys China. They, they had the solar farm in China. I don't think the the forests were there. But yeah, it was a large number. Did they say that those were like permanently set aside? Yeah. And they got other ones that are there to make paper for the future or something? Well, they're, you know, it's responsible sourcing, so it's kind of like replenishable um, yeah, forestry. So, you know, probably have sections that they can regrow over time and move from one to the other. But it's kind of interesting that Apple is getting into that that market. It sounded like they own or are somehow uh, directly involved in that aspect um, because 
you know, they're moving towards having all their packaging be paper-based, recycled, uh, you know, recyclable materials. So it it is kind of interesting. It's, it's it, you know, there was definitely kind of this strong kind of political, you know, we're good citizens, we're doing all these good things at the beginning, talking about the recycling program and re reuse program, and as well as their their reduction of waste and use of renewable energy and paper. Yeah, there was definitely some image building in there. And rightfully so, if there's not a lot of other companies that can claim that kind of thing. And to some degree, they've got to protect their image, you know, being in the middle of a battle with the FBI, you know, legal dispute. And, you know, not everybody understands the position that they're taking or agrees with their position. So, you know, I think to some degree they have to remind people, hey, we do good things. We're a good company. I was kind of surprised in Tim Cook's kind of appeal on the uh, FBI case at the beginning. Um, he did not make that strong of an argument to me, or at least didn't he didn't convince me if I was a layperson that that I should even care about it. I mean, he he said we're cared about your privacy or whatever, but I don't I don't know. He didn't make it seem like what what the FBI is trying to do is. As bad as it was, what did you guys think of kind of his little statement there? He he left a lot of wiggle room. So if this does go bad, badly for Apple, that they'll he'll be able to say, well, the people have made their choice, so we're going to give them what they want. So you think that's why it was? Because I mean, he's been doing all these interviews, and he's been seems like he's been much more forceful with his, uh, you know, his wording and his complaints to the FBI. I I was actually surprised he even brought it up during the media. Really? Event. You know, I, I, you know, like you said, he's been interviewed in several places, you know, it seems like he's kind of covered that and then some in other venues. So, you know, I was kind of surprised that that was what he led with. And then they went straight from that into you know, an update on research kit showing how that's helped people. And then, uh, then they started talking about kind of a new offspring of research kit, which is care kit, which along the same lines is about, uh, improving basically patient outcomes, right? Yeah. Improving, um, the care of patients. You know, I, one of their examples was glucose tracking and, you know, being able to distinguish between different types of uh, type two diabetes and helping improve the uh, the success rate of outpatient uh, care. You know, post post surgery, post post procedure. You know, talked about Parkinson's as well. Right, and, and all of that really underscores why you need to have a secure iPhone. Yeah, I mean, you've got healthcare data and very personal, very specific healthcare data on your phone, and that you're using to track, you know, your progress, your, you know, your vitals, and yeah, all kinds of things. And that's just one of many examples of things that everybody has on their phone that you know really 
shouldn't be compromised. And, you know, it's, you know, in this case, it's helping lots of people. And I work on health and wellness apps quite a bit. So, you know, it's kind of in the space that I spend a lot of time. Uh, CareKit looked interesting and I'd like to know a little bit more about that. But, and, you know, what exactly you get from CareKit versus, you know, I think you still, to some degree, have to build your own app around it, but you have some tools to, to make it easier. Yeah, I wonder yeah. if the, maybe the not so strong response from Tim or the talk about it was maybe he had some prior knowledge of some kind of breaking news as we record this podcast. I'm sure everyone knows about this already uh, as you're listening, but uh, I guess the FBI vacated their request to the hearing. Literally, that was the day after the, the the event, which it really seems like Apple scheduled right before the uh, the hearing on purpose. Um, it just just seems odd that it would have gone down like it did. Sounds like the FBI found some way to uh, get into that phone, so they're like, "Oh, no biggie. We don't need anything anymore." <laughs> never mind. Never mind. Don't worry about yeah. it. <laughs> just kidding. We don't need this. You guys can't, take your. <laughs> I can't say show us the way. Yeah, I can't wait to find out what they found on it. Well, they they're not going to tell us, but I got to imagine they didn't find anything. But yeah, we'll see. We'll see if anything comes out about that. But they probably didn't find much more than what was in his iCloud backups that they got to the yeah. FBI. Yeah, and I heard right. rumors. I'd heard rumors that you know he they were going to announce so you know starting I don't know nine point three or maybe the next version of iOS. Uh, your iCloud backups are going to also be encrypted with your passcode, so Apple can't recover them anymore. I was expecting more things like that. Uh, you know, we're doing end-to-end -end encryption, encryption on more things or something, but like nothing. But, so, well, they're definitely hiring in that space. Yeah, and you know, there's rumors of them building their own data center because right now they they depend on Azure and um AWS and and I think Google as well. That was a recent announcement that they were partnering with Google for more cloud infrastructure. Yeah, so I I think they're rapidly outgrowing any single host. So, you know, if they wanna with with the pace they're growing, they're gonna have to do something anyway. So the rumor is that they're gonna build their own cloud infrastructure and not depend on the third parties anymore. They've been um, trying to, but yeah. Which, you know, one of the examples too was like, the, I think they use AWS for um, pulling images and in the third party infrastructure, it, it there's a delay and they can get rid of that delay and it's, you know, improve performance and maybe, you know, save on download bandwidth if, uh, if they had their own infrastructure. That could be a larger trend across the board. Dropbox just finished off their migration away from AWS. So they have all their own data centers now for the most part. Yeah. I think, you know, there's a growth. There's a point that you outgrow even the big guys. So that was not discussed at, at the Apple event. Yeah, I think I even heard a rumor that um, 
they were using so much stuff on Microsoft's Azure st- stack uh, that Microsoft was like, so we're going to need to share the cost of all this load you're putting on us more than just kind of what the standard rate is because we're having to build out infrastructure so much to support it. So I think that that probably helped get things going. But yeah, it seems like once you're Dropbox or Apple-sized, you need your own whole thing. Well, it also cuts down and cuts into your margins significantly. Yeah. I think it's the same same issue with Parse, right? Once you got big enough to have to pay for Parse, you didn't want to because it was going to cut into your profits too much, and you just found your own or created your own solution. Yeah, I wonder if people ran more into the like limits of what Parse could handle than having to pay for Parse. I don't know though. It's more of a functional limitation than yeah. A, like we can't handle this growth. many requests per second anymore because you're so big. Because the pricing was like super dirt cheap. You ask me. And it was yeah. a pretty high ceiling before you hit the paywall. So yeah, you know you could prove out your concept and then some on parse for free. And then at that point, you know you might be in a position you can afford to build. Rearchitect and build your own and make it a little bit more tailor made to your needs. Mm-hmm. Right. Speed up your app a bit. So you don't have to make half a dozen API calls where one would work. Yeah. So was there anything you guys didn't get out of this one that you kind of wished was there? Well, I guess the one thing that kind of irked me a little bit is uh, when they were talking about the TVOS update, um, they mentioned there's some new partners that are we're bringing on that have a Siri search through their content. And at first I was like, oh, that's cool. And then I was like, wait a second. It's just partners again. There's no <laughs> there's no API available for that. Like, I want it for Plex, you know. All of my stuff is in one app, and I want to be able to say, hey, Siri, let me play whatever show my kid wants to watch right now. But it seems like they're... Maybe maybe it'll just be in June that we'll get this API, or maybe we'll never get it. Kind of like the, uh, the open source FaceTime uh, <laughs> standard. Yeah, it was promised to us. We just he didn't say when. Yeah. Maybe there's some kind of issue, or maybe they're just waiting for TVOS 10 for that kind of thing. I do think it would be problematic if if it was just an open API that anybody could um, add their app to the search without any controls, uh, it, the search becomes useless. So I think if they did a lot, open that up for everybody, it'd be nice to be able to configure somewhere in settings to say which apps you want to be included in the search. Yeah, well, and I got to imagine for like a media library search API, you can have some pretty structured data and maybe they have, you know, ways to disambiguate between different sources so that it'll group like your movies, you know, or... XYZ show that's available on a Hulu and uh, Netflix and your Plex app all together so you can pick where you want to play it from. Because that was one of the nice things about it is uh, you can download this on iTunes or you can watch it in Netflix or whatever it was. Um, yeah. And I think if an app gave out a false positive or something, that would 
be an app that got deleted pretty quickly. Yeah. Yeah. Potentially. I mean, it, you know, let's say YouTube, for example, you know, you, <laughs> that would show mm. up in pretty much every search. And it's not that it's a bad match. It's just not the type of content you're looking for. Right. The match rating would be pretty low on that kind of thing in general. Hopefully. Yeah. Unless you're looking for music videos or something. In that case, it might be kind of high. Or how to, or, or yeah. your, you know, lots of people get the majority of their content from YouTube, so they don't necessarily watch broadcast TV or HBO, Netflix. Um, but yeah, yeah, I, I, I think it's, you know, it could be related to them trying to figure out how to manage that and make sure you're not getting useless content. Yeah, you know, we could easily get into like app store searches and how Apple hasn't necessarily, you know, excelled at the search technology. Right. Do we have a Amazon app for Apple TV yet? Not last time I checked. No. Yeah. Nope. Grr. <laughs> <laughs> I know. No, I don't think we need to talk about the bands. I you know, I think that was the what everybody knew was coming. The bands for the colorblind people? But, <laughs> yeah, new Ouch. materials, new colors. <laughs> um, not not terribly exciting. I think the big thing that was missing that I was looking forward to or hoping for, even though I knew it was a long shot, was an update to some of the, the Mac lineups. You know, they, you know the Sky, new Skylake chips have been out for a while. Um, most of their computers are well beyond um, their typical refresh cycle. So looks like we're not getting that in March, or at least it's not part of the, the big media event. So seems like June. Yeah. I was surprised how many people were surprised about that. It seems like there's there would have been rumors or something if this was coming. Yeah, I wasn't surprised. I was just, you know, wishful thinking that I need just, a new machine because my my machine from 2009 the video card just died and i don't want to spend money to fix it fix a seven-year-old computer i guess the upside is that that probably points to more of a design refresh in addition to the updated specs because if it was just a spec bump then they would have just tossed it in or something like that so. yeah and it's not mm -hmm. unusual for apple to have a you know if it's just a spec bump to have that as kind of a non-event shortly yeah. after a media event, like within a week or two. Uh, so we could still see, like, maybe the MacBook get the new Skylake processor. Or, um, you know, I don't know if we'd see the MacBook Air get a bump. I, you know, I, I think, think the Air rumored. is dead. Yeah, I think the MacBook Pro might be due for redesign, at least new colors to match <laughs> the MacBook line. Oh, definitely be in yeah. rose gold. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, that could be interesting. And but, I, you know, if they are going, if they are going to significantly update the MacBook Pro line, that that scares me because I've wanted to buy like a nice little dock or something <laughs> for my laptop. Yeah, but I'm afraid. Cause I'm, I'm afraid they're going to move around the ports, and then that two hundred dollar dock is just going to be worthless. Yeah, yeah, I think that's uh pretty risky purchase at yeah. any time well at least right now 
Yeah. Well, if you have, if you just bought a computer, it's probably not a risky purchase. Well, it'd be good for you know a couple of years. I'd, you know, depending on how often you yeah replace them. Although the bummer is, it takes so long for the nice ones like the the hinge ones to come out that now we're all talking about a refresh, and they just came out like six months ago. So, oh, the horizontal well, like, one, yeah. Yeah, I guess their vertical ones come out a little bit sooner, but yeah. Well, the ports haven't changed too much, I think, from the say the twenty thirteen. Yeah, to but the now that it's one. out, they're about to change. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Well, I think you know the. The MacBook hasn't been out that long, but it was kind of underpowered to start with. Like the MacBook Air still performed better than the the MacBook, which made it kind of an undesirable purchase in my mind. Well, I guess that's all we have to talk about today. You guys want to tell us where we can find you on the internet? You can find me at AJ Robinson on Twitter. I'm at Alex Argo. And I'm at Sam Quarter. The podcast is at Shared Inst. Also, jump into our Slack chat and uh, give us some feedback. We're always looking for feedback. You can join the channel at chat.sharedinstance.com and episode show notes will be at sharedinstance.com slash 54.